0: Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. All right, so this morning I want to talk about when Jesus walked on the water. And Peter said, me too. And so Jesus enabled Peter to walk on water as well, literally. I, I, I want to look at this story um, and all that is in it because I think it teaches us many different lessons today. And so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter 6, verses 16 to 21. We have been working our way ever since August through the gospel of John, just in pieces there, thinking about how do the words here that we learn about Christ, how are we to live those out in our life, in our everyday places, to live our life truly by faith. So I'm going to read this from John 6. Uh, 16 to 21, and then I'm also going to read the same story from Mark and Matthew. They are all very short, but I want to read one after another so that you hear how each author, author, John, Mark, and Matthew, remembers the story in their own way, and maybe adding a few details that the others forget. And when you read something three times, um, certain words or parts will often stand out for you. And I am praying that God would speak to you today what he wants you to hear from his word. And so John six sixteen to 21, it says this, When evening came, Jesus' disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat, and they set across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. And then also from from Mark, the same story now from Mark chapter 6, 47 to 51. It says this. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of night, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by when they saw him walking, and they thought that he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then Jesus climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. And then the final one of this story, Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Listen again to what it says. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of them to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when Peter saw the wind, he became afraid and he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you have little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. All right, so I think there are three parts to this story. The first part that I'm, I'm going to call out at sea. For our story begins, when evening came, the disciples got into a boat to go across the lake, and suddenly they find themselves in the middle of the storm. And part of what we need to know here is that throughout the Bible, the sea is often a metaphor for trouble or evil or struggles, especially the Sea of Galilee, because it is surrounded by hills and storms can come suddenly and unexpectedly upon them. And so just like in life, things can turn on you quickly. You know, you're coasting along and then suddenly... You're hit by a major storm. And we will see here, though, that just like in life, the Lord is above and over all the things that happen. Looking back at our story, though, Jesus just had fed the 5,000. The disciples had helped him pass out the bread and the fish. And I'm sure that they are tired at this time. And so it's at the end of the day Jesus and his, has his disciples. He has them get into a boat and go across to the other side of the lake. Why does he have them do this? Because that is where their home is. It says they're heading for Capernaum. Capernaum is where Peter lived and where his family lived. And same with Andrew, James, and John, and probably Matthew. Capernaum is also where Jesus called his home during those years. And so really, after a long day... The disciples are just trying to get home. But Jesus doesn't go with them in the boat right away, the scripture says, that Jesus stayed behind to dismiss the crowd and sent his disciples home. And this just makes me smile, just on a side here, because I think about my kids. My kids have loved that our home is just right across from the parking lot here. Because after church, they don't got to wait for dad to say goodbye to everyone and talk and talk like I enjoy to do. They can just go home. And maybe some of you can relate to this. Maybe you are married to a social person who likes to gab, or you have a parent who's always talking. If you do, you know what I mean. You just want to go home, and they got to talk to everybody. Well, Jesus is visiting after the feeding of the 5,000, but he graciously tells his disciples they don't got to wait for him. They can go without him. He will catch up. But after Jesus is finished talking to the people, it says in Matthew and Mark that he doesn't just go out to the boat right away. Instead, it says that he goes up a mountainside by himself to pray. And this was often Jesus' custom. He often withdrew to lonely places to pray to the Father. But even though he goes off to pray, what we see here is that he never takes his eyes off of his disciples. Just like he never takes his eyes off of you. For it tells us that from that mountain where he is praying, the Lord could also look down upon that lake and he could see his disciples as they went across. He could see through the dark of night, even though it was miles away. He could see when they were beginning to have trouble. He could see the storm coming, he could see them straining at the oars, the seas are getting pretty rough, and Jesus can see that they need help. I'm reminded here of my favorite psalm, Psalm 121, where it tells us that the Lord is always watching over us. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over you will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over your life, your coming and going, both now and forevermore. The Lord is watching over his disciples. It is in the middle of the night, but he's not sleeping. He is wide awake. This is a great comfort for me now with a daughter who just moved to Connecticut to start her life. What a peace I have. To know that our Lord. Who has watched over her. Since she was just a little baby. Continues to watch over her now. As she is an adult. Now married with Jack. And I think back to how the Lord. Has been faithful to me. And Carrie over these many years. When we moved from place to place. When we moved from Chicago. To Canada to Nebraska. Wherever we Go, he is watching over us. He has proved that so many times in our life. And so it is comforting for me as a dad to know that he is also always watching over her when I can. We are never out of our Lord's sight. Now, something important for us to know here is that this story, uh, the Sea of Galilee, is seven miles wide. Now, the reason I tell you this is because John tells us in verse 19 this interesting detail that when the disciples had rowed three and a half miles, the storm had come upon them. John adds this detail of distance, I think, three and a half miles, so that we would know the disciples are exactly in the middle of the lake, the deepest and furthest part away from shore. And it says a strong wind was blowing against them and the water grew rough. And Mark, it says that Jesus saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against And so out at sea, the disciples are trying just to get home. And suddenly they find themselves in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm. With a strong wind working against them. And these guys are fishermen. They're used to being out at the sea. They've lived on the waters. They got sails and know how to use them. But their sails aren't helpful to them now because the wind is against them and they are being overpowered by the weather. They are doing everything that they know how to do, but they're not getting anywhere. They're stuck in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm. And they're straining at the oars. Again, I just want to say that this really did happen long ago. It's a true story. But the sea is also a good metaphor for life. And how Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Things are going to come up. Storms are going to come up. But take heart. Because I've overcome the world. But still, the storms of life can suddenly hit when we least expect them. They can come. I mean, we all just saw Carolyn Babcock last Sunday night, or Sunday at church, I mean, sitting here with her daughter. And I greeted them, you know, as they left, and she just seemed fine. She had been struggling privately with her health for a while, but but then Tuesday, it got harder for her to breathe, and suddenly, she's in the ICU. I didn't expect her week to turn like that, but you know, when I went to see her and pray with her and read to her some scripture, I looked to her and asked her, how are you really doing? And her body was struggling for sure, but not her spirit. She so genuinely straight looked at me and said, I got peace. She mentioned her kids and grandkids that had come the night before and sang hymns in her room and they visited. And and I could see the difference Christ made and makes in the middle of a storm in her life. I could see how rich she was in everything that mattered. In that moment, I visited with Gary in the hall and asked him the same, "How is he doing?" and And he said, "Yesterday was kind of rough, but today—and this is the word he used—there is a calm. I can't explain it." He said, "A miraculous calm that can only come from the Lord when we invite Him into the boat, when." He is there in the middle of a storm. Jesus told his disciples in John 14, don't let your hearts become troubled like the waves of a sea. Trust in God, trust also in me. Later on in that chapter, he told them in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives, so don't let your hearts become troubled and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And so like in this story, in our story, the disciples just trying to get home, storm comes, you know. A storm can come in the sea just unexpectedly and suddenly, just like in life. But with Christ watching over us, we don't need to be afraid. He comes to us. I talked with Skipper on Thursday night. Skipper and Sarah, new to our church, come up from their, with their family from from Texas and Just getting to know their story. But they've been here a while. Still haven't found a home. I asked Skipper right before worship practice. How are you doing? And Skipper looked at me with a smile. And he said well man it's been disappointing. We haven't found a home yet. But we're not worried. He said. For the Lord who brought us this far won't leave us. He'll take care of these things. We know. And I'm listening to Skipper talk. And man he is speaking to my heart. For we all can go through things. We all face storms that come into our life. Challenges and upsetting things or conflicts or stresses and anxieties at work and home. And and yet in the middle of the storm, the Lord is watching over us. And there is a peace. And I have to admit that that I haven't had to face the kind of waves uh, that some people I know have had to. Waves like my friend's. Evan and Stephanie, who recently lost their 13-year-old daughter to muscular disorder, that is a big wave that I've never had to face. Some of you have. Or I think about the refugee family that we learned about just this week. They have six kids all under the age of 12, moved across the world to a whole new country. And thank God it's America because there's a lot of help for people here. But still, I think what a big wave in their life they've had to go through, to have to leave home and family and move across the world to a new place and learn a new language and culture and struggling to figure out food and money. That's a huge wave I've never had to face. I've never had to go hungry. I've never had to leave home for fear of my safety. I think of others who have had to go through divorce or cancer or face persecution. These are big waves that people all around the world have had to face. And maybe you have had to face some big ones in your life. But sometimes it's not the big things, you know, that come. It's just the daily stresses. You know, taking care of your mother who is aging or worrying about your spouse who is sick or... Running a company with all its pressures and trying to find balance or a conflict with a friend and it's really weighing on you or changes in life or grief or financial strain. If you're like me, you don't want to complain because you know so many more people have it so much worse than you. But still, trouble is trouble and we all face it. It's real to us and things over time can begin to pile up. Up and life becomes this straining at the oars, like we see with the disciples out at sea in the middle of a lake, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm. But we're never alone. We find that in our scripture. The Lord's watching over us, and when we need Him, He is always. Which leads me to the second part of the story, and that is that Jesus goes out to his disciples. In every gospel account, it tells us that Jesus goes out to them on the sea. He literally goes to them when they are in trouble, when they're in need. This is something that never ceases to amaze me about our God. He doesn't just see our troubles, but he comes to us. Psalm 34 even says he is close to to the brokenhearted and saves those crushed in spirit. Paul says in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always, why? Be anxious about nothing, why? Because he says the Lord is near. He is close, He's not far from us, He is Emmanuel, God with us in the storm. This is why we feel the peace. He is the peace. He is the presence. That's what we're feeling is really it's not the absence of the troubles or the storms of life. Those are going to come to everybody in this world. There's thorns and thistles and disease and pressures and sin. Oh, for everyone, storms will most definitely come at times. But Jesus has overcome the world and He's our eternal hope and by His Spirit, He comes to live within our life and what you're feeling is not just a sense of peace like this world gives it is his presence that is what you are feeling he is the calm he doesn't just bring you calm he is the calm he is the love he is the peace that fills your heart what we feel is that he is in the room In our scripture, Jesus walks down the mountain when he sees his disciples in trouble. He walks down the mountain and he goes out to the sea. And he gets in the boat with his disciples and suddenly there is a call. As I said, my daughter now lives in Connecticut, which I don't like one bit. She is 1,410 miles away. She is not near. I would much rather have her live closer to us if I was in charge of things. But I have to remember... In this time that I moved away from home just like her in fact I took Carrie after we got married I took her far away from her father in Ohio I took her all the way to northern Alberta Canada and I I don't think her dad liked it or me very much but it was where God wanted us so who am I to complain for this is part of life we raise our children to go and live the lives that God has called them to well that being said It is first a comfort for me to know that our Lord watches over Aria wherever she is, his eye always on her. But here's the second thing. I can assure you that if Aria called me and she was in big trouble, not the kind that she needs to figure out herself, but real trouble, it would take me less than two seconds to drop what I was doing and hop on a plane or drive the 21 hours and 42 minutes without stops, to get to her, because that is what you do for those that you love. You go to them when they need you. You drop what you're doing and you go. And that is what we see in Christ. He loves his disciples. They're in trouble, and so he doesn't just shout from the mountain. He walks on the water. Our God walks on the water for us. The reason I feel peace, the reason Gary and Carolyn feel peace, the reason Skipper and and you in the middle of trials feel peace is not because things are as you wish that they would have been or have all worked themselves out. No, it is because He is right there with you in the storm. He is for you and you can feel Him. He goes to them because He loves them and there's no reason. He, you know, uh, there's no reason he wouldn't just be there right for them if he could and so he can and so he goes but there's another reason I think besides him just loving them and wanting to be near them that he goes out to them on the water and that is because I think he needs them to see who he really truly is Mark 6.52, I don't know if you caught it, but it says this interesting thing. It says, the disciples did not understand the miracle of the feeding of 5,000. It says their hearts were hardened and they didn't believe. This is remarkable to me. The disciples missed the miracle of the feeding of 5,000. They were literally a part of it. They carried the bread and the fish to the people. How did they not see in that that Jesus is God? I don't even understand that. But isn't that true in our life? So many times God works and acts and we miss it. We fail to see the obvious, this was the disciples. The disciples missed the truth of Jesus in that miracle. That's what the Bible says. They would only come to realize it later. And so it appears in our scripture that one of the reasons Jesus takes advantage of this storm and walks out to them on the water and then sits with them in the boat and then suddenly the storm gets calm is because he really wants them to see who he is. Job 9.8 says, He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. No one but God could walk on water. God alone commands the weather. They got to see him now, you know. In Matthew, it says that when Jesus got into the boat, the wind immediately died down. And it says they worshipped him on the boat, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Now they can see it, Right? And I love that it says they worshiped him on the boat because I believe the Lord is always working in our life to draw us into deeper worship and a greater knowledge of who he is. He will use whatever is in our life, the waves and the storms, the highs and the lows in our life to open up our hearts and eyes to truly see him more, that we might glory in his name. I love the verse from Isaiah 43, which we read earlier uh, in our, our service. And, and for you online, I would encourage you to, to, uh, to look it up, Isaiah 43, 1-3a. to But it says, this is what the Lord says, He who created you, he who formed you, fear not, don't be afraid. For I've redeemed you. I've called you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Jesus shows his disciples the truth of this verse. And that he is the Lord and the Savior. The waters won't sweep over them. But he also doesn't just show them this, who he is. He tells them. And I didn't know that until this week when I really studied the words of what Jesus says. For when the disciples first see Jesus walking on the water, they're afraid of him. They don't know if he's real or a ghost. And so Jesus speaks to them to assure them it's him. And they know the sound of his voice. But what Jesus says is the key. He says to them, don't be afraid. Take courage. It is I. In every gospel, uh, it says that Jesus says these words, don't be afraid, take courage, it is I. But here's the thing I learned this week that I never knew before. Jesus uses a particular word for it is I. In the Greek, it is Eo ima, which is so much more than just it is I. Evo Ima is two words, each meaning I am. So literally, Jesus is saying, I am, I am. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am the I am. Jesus uses the special name here that the Hebrew people had for God to tell his disciples who he really was. When Moses asked God, who are you? God said to Moses, tell the people, I am who I am. This is my name. This is exactly what Jesus now is telling his disciples when he goes out to them on the water. If, if walking on the water wasn't proof enough, he says, don't be afraid. I am the I am. He is saying, I'm the great I am, in the flesh come to you. And Jesus then gets in the boat with them and it says, immediately the wind died down. So they may have missed the point of the feeding of 5,000. He's not going to let them miss this one. He is the one and only, always was and is and is to come. He is the commander of the seas, the great I am. He even tells them he is. And I love what it says in the Gospel of John. In verse 21, it says, They're willing then to take him into the boat, and the wind dies down, and it says, Immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. Remember, I told you, they were three and a half miles away from shore. They still had a long way to go. They're in the middle of the lake. And yet, when they take in Jesus into the boat, suddenly they're there like they're in a (laughs) speedboat. They don't have to row anymore. No wind going against them. No strength. Raining at the oar, no more storm standing in their way. It's as if the wind that was working so much against them, the Lord just stilled it in a second. And then, with the breath of the Holy Spirit, He just lifted them up and propelled them over to the shore with no effort by them at all. And this is so much like our life, the difference between us working and working and working, straining at the oars, and the Lord doing the work. One is straining everything against us, whether in our marriage or ministry or family or life or work, it's exhausting on your own, getting nowhere. But ten, when we finally give our situation to Christ and we just fully surrender and we invite him into the situation and we call on the name of the Lord, <laughs> And do what he says. It's like the Holy Spirit just picks us up and takes us to where we need to be. Zechariah 4.6 says, It's not by your might nor by your power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Where today are we straining at the oars when the Lord just wants us to see him, to invite him into the boat? How can we truly see who he is and instead of worry begin to worship even in the storm? Where can we let all of our efforts go for his power? Life is so much easier when Jesus is in the boat. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, but with me, you can do all things. Which leads me to the final point of our story. And surprisingly, only Matthew mentions it, but it's that Peter walked on water too, Which had to be even more amazing. For now, it's not just Jesus doing it, but Jesus was enabling Peter to walk on water. Peter, seeing the Lord, says, Lord, if it's really you out there, then call me out to you. And Jesus says, come. And Peter gets out of the boat and begins walking on the water. He's just a man, just like us. He's walking on water at the command of Jesus. Peter has enough faith in Christ to believe that if Jesus says something, it's going to happen. If Jesus calls him out of the boat, Jesus will be able to do the impossible in him, walk on water. And I ask you that question today. Do you have that kind of faith? Only Peter did of the 12 disciples. He was the one guy willing to even try and get out of the boat. And I think this is the point, to trust in Jesus enough To get out of the boat. For not only was Jesus able to walk on water because he was the son of God and made the water and was commander of the seas. But Jesus was also able to make his disciples walk on water if they would just trust him. He could do that in their life. Jesus said in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these Jesus is going to work in these guys to spread his message to the entire world if they will just believe that he can do it. To be his witnesses to the whole world seem like an impossible task. But with the Holy Spirit behind them, an impossible uh, task becomes possible. As impossible as walking on the water, he can do with them what he wills if they'll just get out of the boat trust him. Do you have faith to get out of the boat right now and believe that God can use you and that Christ can accomplish in your life more than you could on your own? Do you still believe in miracles? And do you have the faith to get out of the boat like Peter did? Peter believed and he started walking on the water towards Jesus. But then as we know the story, he took his eyes off the Lord for a minute. (laughs) And it says, Peter saw the wind. And he became afraid and he started to sink. And he cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out and caught him and said, Why did you doubt? Let's just be honest. Walking by faith is not easy. It's maybe kind of like a toddler learning how to walk for the first time. We fall a lot. That's okay. That's how we learn how to walk, to walk by faith. We got to try we got to take a few steps out of our comfort zone. We, we're going to get scared at times and maybe run back. But I think our greatest temptation in this life is, you know, not lust or greed or anger, but it's just taking our eyes off of Jesus and, and onto those crashing waves and thinking more about our fears than about our Lord who's commanded things of us. Focusing more on those problems and disasters and disappointments as they come. We let those dictate our decisions and steer our life and change our course. When Jesus is just asking us to trust Him and to keep our eyes on Him throughout all things and just obey, He's going to take care of the waves and the wind. We just fix our eyes on Jesus and take step after step. What we learn here is if we take our eyes off of the Lord, we start to sink in life. But we also learn here, I think, is that when we do start to sink, which will happen at times, He will catch us. And how else will we learn if we never try to walk? He won't let you fall, so trust Him. Get out of the boat for your sake and others' sake. Because even in our failures, just like with Peter and he started to sink, it's okay, for he took a few steps. The others saw it. And so their faith grew watching their friend. Step out for Jesus. And Jesus when he grabbed him. And brought Peter back into the boat. Climbed in. The wind all died down. And it says those who were in the boat. Which means the rest of the disciples. Who had witnessed the whole thing. They all began to worship the Lord. And say truly you are the son of God. I do believe this. When we step out in faith. Others have a chance. To see the truth of the Lord. Even if we stumble. They still see Jesus. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all Bethlehem Covenant Church's ministries and events, head to bccwaverly.org.